Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsinized Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. Lawmakers are on the cusp of striking a deal to ensure the brewers stay in Milwaukee, but there's still some convincing to do in the state Senate to make that happen. Plus, a top Republican rejects a pressure campaign to impeach the state's top election official. And we recap a series of bills lawmakers approved on the floor this week, some that gained bipartisan support. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for November 10th. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We're going to start with the Brewer's Amendment that the Senate added, uh, added on Tuesday. As we know, the Senate is going to vote on the bill this coming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a series of changes in hopes to win over some lawmakers' support, but that is still the big question heading into this weekend of whether they can get 17 votes on the floor. Let's first break down the Fundy breakdown. So the state will now contribute roughly about $398 million. That's down nearly $30 million. The Brewers will now pitch in an additional $10 million, which gets them at 150. Now the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County will remain at committing to uh, contributing $135 million over the 27-year lease. Other changes include, which we've talked about plenty of times before, there would be a biennial review of the stadium district board's finances, like an audit. It would also require a redevelopment report to explore possible development around the stadium. And we got the figures of how much a ticket tax on non-Brewers events will be. We're talking about concerts, monster truck shows, other performances, not if you go to a Brewers game. If you go to a performance concert, it's going to be $2. If you sit in a luxury uh, box or suite ticket, that's going to be an $8 surcharge. So then looking ahead to Tuesday, what cleared the bill is that it would it advance out of the Joint Finance Committee on a 15 to 1 vote and to pass out of the Senate Committee of Govern- Government Operations on a 3 to 2 vote. So after Joint Finance, us reporters were trying to get a feel of where Republicans are and where Democrats are because as we've been talking about even last week, we've heard from Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahieu that he is likely going to have to rely on Democratic votes to get this bill over the hurdle. Um, we spoke to Senator LaTanya Johnson, who was the only yes vote on joint finance. And she basically said, you know, uh, you know, while I don't love the deal, I would like a lot of changes. I ultimately felt like we had to do this to keep the team here in Milwaukee until 2050, which is under this bill. Um, we also talked to Senator Mary Felskowski, who's way up north, you know, represents the Northwoods. She said this was going to be a tough sell for her district, but ultimately is going to vote yes. Let's hear from both of those senators real quick on their comments, and then we'll dive more into this. I don't think we should be in the stadium business, but this is the deck of cards we're dealt. When we do the numbers, it makes more sense for us to keep the brewers and come out hundreds of million dollars ahead at the end of the 2050 lease than to allow the brewers to leave. It's actually a better return on investment. If I was a private business owner and somebody offered me this deal, I'd take it every time. It's a hard sell back in my district because we have to educate our constituency that we own that stadium. There are still a lot of changes that I would like to see in this bill. The unfortunate thing is that because Republicans, you know, basically have control, um, I'm not sure that we'll see them. For example, the city and the county are asked to pay 
for this stadium, but they don't get one seat on the board. That's unfair. So, JR, the question for Tuesday is, are we going to be going into some extra innings? <laughs> it's also a math question. I'm not going to talk about averages, but um, we have nine. We need 17. If you want to say we, the people want this bill to get done. So the nine that I'm counting so far, we have six Republicans who voted yes in a committee uh, on Wednesday. We had two Democrats who voted yes in committees on Wednesday. And we had Devin Lemmy, majority leader, tell us that he supports the amended bill. Now, how do you get to 17? In talking to my sources in the Senate caucuses, the basic idea is, or guess is they're going to need about a half dozen Democrats, up to a half dozen Democratic votes. Okay, so that means four more in addition to Latanya Johnson and Diane Hesselbein. Can you get there? We shall see. If you get there, that means you mean 11 Republican votes. So we had the seven. Where do you find four more to 17? And you don't want to be at 17. You don't want to have any of those 70 members be the deciding vote on this bill. You want to get to 18 or 19. It makes everybody more comfortable. So there's your math. Your questions are, what other changes might come, if any, before between now and Tuesday? Democrats complain about the composition of the, of the board, the, would oversee the stadium district. There's no seat reserved for Milwaukee County or the city, even though they're pitching in about a quarter of the cost. There's things like that. We also look at the math and go, in the Milwaukee area, which is most directly impacted by this, we only have two votes for yes right now. Dewey Strobel, Republican from Sockville, and Lynn Johnson. Tim Carpenter is a no. I talked to him again this morning. He's still a no on the bill as it is. Chris Larson is a no. Uh, Lane Taylor has been a no. On the Republican side, Julian Bradley voted against it in committee. Chris Kappinga, Dan Canodal, Rob Hutton. Can you get any of those Republicans on board when they're in that area? That's a fascinating question. Oh, by the way, could the Brewers do any more of a poor job of selling this thing PR-wise? Let's recount the last month or so. A part owner put up his house in California for $75 million. The majority owner, Mark Anastasio, is upping his ownership stake of a soccer team in England. The Brewers got swept in the playoffs. They allowed Craig Council to leave for Chicago, which irks Milwaukee folks to no end. And oh, by the way, as Council left to sign a five-year, $40 million deal, Anastasio said, basically question Council's loyalty, which irks people to know in the capital be They go, look, you're going to move the team if we don't give you public money. How dare you question loyalty in this situation? That's the dynamic that they're working with in the Capitol with the Brewers right now. It's, it's, it's been amazing. I've talked to people repeatedly about this. I've never seen an entity get, be poised, get so much from the state, do such a poor job PR-wise of working the deal. And looking at the numbers, too, another no vote is Senator Calda Royce. Mm -hmm. um, she's talked to me uh, multiple times this week, and specifically, she just don't, doesn't think it's a fair deal. Given looking at the Bucks arena, she thought it was you know, a little bit more of a 50-50 sell here. What they really don't like is that you're using nearly $530 million in public funds uh, to pay for this. And that's a tough sell, like, you know, Senator Falskowski said up north. And they just want the brewers to contribute more, given a lot of the factors that you said. Now, yes, they're paying $10 million more, which gets them to about 100, which gets them to 150 in this deal, but they still want more. Um, a lot of lawmakers, and that's what's going to, I don't know, if I, I don't see the figures changing, um, but that's not going to get some people to a yes vote. Felskowski's support, people tell me, may help with outstate Republicans because she's up north and saying this is a good deal for taxpayers. Mm -hmm. You might get a little more 
those folks up there. Union folks are working the Democrats, so start looking at the map of Democrats. Melissa Agar, the minority leader, Brad Paff out in La Crosse. Interesting note, La Crosse and Appleton have a baseball connection. The loggers out in La Crosse. There's a minor league team in Appleton. Does that help with the situation? Maybe. A Jeff Smith in New Brunswick in the Eclair area. Can labor get those guys on board? The governor's also whipping votes. His staff is trying to get Democrats to support. And for some of those labor interests, they're frustrated because the big concern a few months ago was the Milwaukee contribution. And the deal was reconfigured uh, in the assembly to basically take the Milwaukee contribution and make it a state contribution. Mm -hmm. There's a fee that the Department of Revenue charges those who have sales taxes to collect that money and redistribute it. They're letting Milwaukee County and the city keep more of their sales tax money, which basically covers their contribution. So those labor interests feel like you've moved the goalposts on us with this, what's going on, but still there is an uneasiness about the idea of giving all this public money to an entity that was valued at $225 million, not that, you know, a couple decades ago, now is $1.6 billion. Where is the payoff for the taxpayers, the argument goes, if you give them this public money? So the Senate will be in at 8 a.m. on mm -hmm. Tuesday. The Assembly will be also in as well, so likely the bill will shift over to their chamber if and when it does pass. Um, and looking at the Assembly, we also asked Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Representative Tyler August, uh, Minority Leader uh, as well in the Assembly, uh, he believes that they have the votes to do it with the amended version. So it seems like all eyes are really going to be on the Senate on Tuesday and, and see what happens there. Um, speaking of the Assembly, they were in session on Tuesday and Thursday of this week. And uh, a big lingering question is whether there could be a possibility that the impeachment resolution uh, against Megan Wolf, the administrator of the state's election commission, would come up because we we know it's been out there. We've we've heard their senses urgency from Representative Janelle Branchen, and she actually tried to do that on Thursday and was shut down very quickly. We also heard from Speaker Voss, who said it's very unlikely that that resolution uh, will land on the assembly floor at all. Now he didn't rule it out. So it's always this lingering possibility out there. Um, but this comes after he was facing pressure from former President Donald Trump and pressure from a group of kind of conspiracy theorists who are airing these ads, sending tens of thousands of dollars um, on the Milwaukee market. There was also radio ads um, basically threatening to outsvoss if he doesn't act on these impeachment um, articles. Um, so going forward, remains to be seen. We also heard from Representative Stefan um, as well, who was referred the articles of impeachment. He said yesterday to reporters that he doesn't, he, you know, I'll make more of a comment next week on what my actions will be. But that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, let's hear from Voss on this factor, because once again, we're hearing from him that he would like to move on, but he's still kind of stuck in this corner right now of what he might do. So let's take a listen. We need to move on. The election in 2024 should not be about what occurred in 2020. We had an election in 22 that went fairly well. Um, there weren't a lot of issues that were brought up. We had Ron Johnson get reelected to the United States Senate. So I think we need to move forward and talk about the issues that matter to most Wisconsinites. And that is not, for most Wisconsinites, obsessing about Megan Wolf. So even though Voss said it's unlikely to happen at this moment, um, we're still likely going to see these groups still pushing forth with their effort to what the ad says, recall or, you know, primary challenge boss. So the Wisconsin Election Committee Incorporated, so not to use the commission, this group of, of activists, they posted on Facebook before Thursday's floor period, if there's no vote on the resolution, they will begin their 
exploration of, ex of recalling Robin Voss. Now, we shall see how serious the, this group is, how much it can raise. At one point, a spokesperson has said they were prepared to do 100,000 bucks a week, right, mm -hmm. until Robin was removed. Uh, we only saw the first buy, so I'm watching now. Will we see additional ads from them? And will there be recall committee formed to go after Robin Voss? Do they have the resources and the manpower to truly go after him? And, you know, JR used to talk about this off-ramp, right, mm -hmm. of what Speaker Voss could do, what could be his options to get away from this um, when it comes to Janet Protosewitz, but just the impeachment uh, um, of Megan Wolf that's out there as well, um, because there was a Dane County judge a few weeks ago that ruled the GOP legislature, you cannot appoint someone else or fire Wolf uh, from that job. Uh, and that leads into my next question, because there's always this lingering question, well, what does that mean about impeachment? Is that still an option if this lawsuit doesn't go in their favor because this week GOP leaders um, are demanding the Wisconsin Elections Commission to appoint a new administrator after a filing uh, from the agency's uh, DOJ attorneys uh, made some contradicted statements from Dem commissioners that they said they had no power to do so. So Republicans asked a Dane County judge to rule that the commission had the duty to appoint a new commissioner after Wolf's four-year term ended in July. So. This is kind of Republicans now saying, hey, you're saying two things and look at this lawsuit when it was earlier that Republicans also said we have the power to do this and then stated in the same um, legal argument that they actually had no power to. Yeah, it's a little bit of legal tit for tat mm -hmm. where Republicans were called out for lawmakers saying one thing and their lawyers saying another. And then now Republicans from the table are saying, look, these Democratic commissioners said one thing and the State Department of Justice is arguing another in this hearing. So. One question the Republicans have raised in this lawsuit is they argue the commission had a duty to appoint somebody new or reappoint Wolf in a four-year term. The filing from DOJ argues there was no duty, there is an option. An option is always there. Republicans going back to comments like Mark Thompson made during a hearing that we can't do this right now. What Thompson kind of told me a follow-up, though, is that he's talking about she's there, we're not going to remove her, so we don't have to do this. We're not going to do this. So there's, but what's said outside of a court filing doesn't really matter in the court mm -hmm. procedure. They're just trying to make some hay about, hey, we think the commission should do something because they want an off-ramp from this. They would like somebody to remove her to save them from all this stuff going on right now. All right, and let's wrap up a very busy week uh, with the Assembly and Senate, both in session. We're first going to start with the Assembly on Tuesday. Uh, Assembly Republicans passed legislation that would ban colleges and universities from considering race, and, from considering excuse me, race and diversity when awarding uh, financial aid, you know, loans, uh, grants, etc. On Thursday, lawmakers also passed a series of changes to our election laws, including two bipartisan measures that would allow clerks to process absentee ballots the Monday before for an election and let voters to track the status of their ballot through a text message verification system. Going back to the bill that would ban uh, race and diversity when awarding financial aid, um, that was kind of a little bit of a heated debate on the floor. We've talked about this bill before on the show. Let's first listen to Democrats and Republicans on both of this issue on the floor on Tuesday. This bill is not necessary because we are not in violation of the U.S. Supreme Court decision on affirmative action. You are turning back pages of the history book and closing the gates to higher education for many minority students in addition to pinning minority groups against each other. This legislation would simply remove race as a criteria 
and how the programs we have in Wisconsin assist in covering costs and accessing the halls of our higher education institutions. It ensures that every applicant is evaluated solely on their individual merits, which is what these decisions should be based on. So the argument for many Republicans and the author of the bill that you just heard there uh, about uh, taking race and diversity out of um, uh, uh, the process when colleges and universities review financial aid. Um, they argue that based after the U U.S. Supreme Court ruled an affirmative action that race-based cannot be, um, those criteria cannot be when it, uh, you apply for a colleges, like admissions, they say, hey, since that ruling happened, we got to act on this. But Democrats are saying, well, there's no one forcing us uh, to make this. So that bill is likely to be vetoed by Governor Evers. Looking at the election bills, the one bill that Governor Evers did signal that he would sign would allow clerks to process ballots the Monday before an election. That means they can check for if there's a missing signature, missing address information on it. They can take the ballot out of the envelope. It's not like they're opening it or you know, tallying the results just yet, it, that just, just takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So um, that is something that we can likely see uh, signed into law. Yeah, to put in perspective, Milwaukee County owns machines that open the ballot envelope yeah. to speed up the process. It tells you like just how cumbersome it can be. Um, like most of these things, the election laws, they are a reflection of the 2020 election. Republicans still can't quite get past talking about that because they still have concerns. Their base is not confident how elections are run. They want them to show up next fall in Wisconsin. Right. While there was bipartisan votes on measures like uh, trying to prevent last-minute closures of polling places, in addition to those bills we just talked about, a lot of the other Republican author measures are unlikely, even though they passed the assembly, are unlikely to become law. That's uh, capping the age of state Supreme Court justices to 75, changing the eligibility requirements to indefinitely confine voters. We've seen similar legislation mm -hmm. like that before. And uh, another bill that would notify family members if their relatives intend to vote with a special voting deputy in a nursing home. And definitely combined, nursing home issues, definitely something that comes right out of 2020 when uh, uh, special voting deputies weren't allowed to go into nursing homes. That caused all big uh, kind of chaos and an uproar from Republicans that they believe that, you know, that kind of led to possible fraud when... There was some reviews about that that it did not. Looking over to the Senate sign, they were in on Tuesday. Um, they also passed a, a pair of constitutional amendments. There was actually three that passed, but only two will be on next year's ballot. So let's recap those real quick. Um, one will, uh, it, I mean, one um, includes amending the state constitution to ban local governments from accepting private grant money to help administer elections. And another would ensure only U.S. citizens um, are allowed to vote in state and local elections. Another proposal, so those two will be on the ballot in um, April, one in, in, no April, one in November, one in November respectively. And then they passed another one, but it was only first consideration, which would enshrine the state's voter ID law in the state constitution. Um, so these are just, once again, the avenue that we're seeing Republicans take more often now because you can bypass Governor Tony Evers' veto also placing these on next year ballot. A lot of Republicans believe it can possibly gin up the base, mm -hmm. get more people excited to go to the polls, but kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, governing by constitutional amendment, um, what we're seeing more and more from Republicans, and they're also inspired by very specific things. The private grants constitutional amendment, that's all because of the money that was funneled toward 200 communities in Wisconsin, but mostly the lar five largest cities, by a group that was funded largely by Mark Zuckerberg, a Facebook founder, Republicans, were unhappy about that. There were lawsuits challenging the use of that money at both the state and federal level. They were both rejected. They were unable to pass a bill, so they went the constitutional amendment route. You know, 
Um, the one about who's eligible to vote. Uh, right now in Wisconsin, you have to be, you know, these regulations, the U.S. citizen stuff, they want a assurance that you're not going to have local governments allowing non-citizens to vote in school board races, for example, because we've seen on the coast mm -hmm. he's doing that. That's what prompted that. Voter ID, we have a voter ID requirement in state law, but Republicans are afraid that the new majority of the Supreme Court will get a voter ID challenge and overturn it. So they're trying to protect what they're they care about the Constitution these days. All right, let's move on to the UW new workforce proposal that was presented on Monday by University of Wisconsin President Jay Rothman. Now, this was expected because the state budget inclined him to write some type of proposal that can bolster the workforce. So, but what this all is is an effort to reclaim $32 million in cuts that Republicans made in the 2023-2025 state budget in an effort, and their effort, I should say, to defund diversity, equity, and inclusion programs on UW campuses. So what the big package really does, as Rothman said, it, was, it is designed to fill jobs in high demand areas. That's things like engineering, nursing, healthcare, business, computer, and data science. Um, he believes this can create, you know, upward to, you know, thousands of jobs over the next five years. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But Voss said, hey, in his statement to response to this, looks like a great proposal, um, but you know, once we work it on an agreement on DEI, then we'd be happy to move forward. So this is once again looking like it's going to be a stalemate. Yeah, um, and talking to some UW backers, they argue that this is what the system's been trying to do anyway, is focus on these areas. This is what they would have done, the money had been allocated in the first place. They're doing exactly what lawmakers told them to do. If you want this money, show us a workforce development plan. Here is their plan. But we've got DEI as an issue. Robin Voss has said as an alternative, you can give back your position authority, which is the power the university has to create or eliminate jobs without going through the legislature. Now we have the lawsuit that's pending. And the court this week gave an order to answer uh, whether it should take it up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so now that's out there. The question is, does that lawsuit, does that harden the GOP position about, and Robin Voss's position on pay raises for your employees, or does it help pave the way to getting something done? Because on the one hand, if Republicans were to approve the pay raises for UW employees now, they looked they were afraid of losing the lawsuit, right? Like, they're panicky. On the other, if they know they're going to lose, or feel like they're going to lose because it's a liberal majority, maybe this would blunt the uh, urgency of the court taking up this case, people argue to me. So think about it. The Supreme Court usually doesn't take cases on direct uh, request. They usually go to the lower courts first. If the UW thing goes away, you could maybe have the court less inclined to weigh in on Joint Finance Committee blocking stewardship purchases, on the Joint Committee for Administrative Rules blocking various administration proposals. Maybe it would take away some urgency, but the pay raise thing creates urgency when maybe creates an incentive for the court to look at it. So. All right, let's get the stock picks this week where we're going to highlight uh, some polling in at least two of the topics. Rising this week is Governor Tony Evers based off the new, uh, I should say, latest Marquette University Law School poll. Yeah, his, his number actually ticked down a little bit from June, still in the low 50s. The really fascinating thing, though, is he's at that mark in the low 50s, like 53%, when more than 60% of voters in the state's in the wrong direction. This is like a complete disconnect from what you would expect, people tell me, with polls. I mean, Back when Scott Walker was governor, we went to the Marquette poll and his backwards to say, look, don't worry about his job approval number. Don't worry about the head-to-head -head contest with Mary Burke, for example. Focus on right track, wrong track. His number will get close to right track in the end. And they were right in 2014. In 2014, uh, he was like, like 
51% right track for the state last poll before the November election, he got 52%. Okay. In 18, things were still going well according to people in the state, but he lost. There are other things that factors at play, right? The blue wave, mm -hmm. Donald Trump, et cetera. Evers won last year despite the wrong, right track, wrong, wrong track being upside down dramatically. And if you go back and look at that number, it flipped from March of 2020, it was still in positive territory, to August. It dropped in the 30s. It has not been above 41% since August of 2020. What happened? The pandemic. Mm -hmm. And in talking to people about this dynamic, they're like, people are broken. Like that pandemic has left people scared and anxious and on edge. And it's like, it's not just uh, what's going on in the state, but nationally, there's just this feeling of like dread maybe. And that's contributing to it. Also, people blame the governor for how things are going. The legislature, for example, upside down, job approval rating by 17 points in the, in the Marquette poll. So stuff like that going on that's just fascinating, uh, the, the juxtaposition of the governor doing well, but that number being so upside down. All right, and mix this week is Nikki Haley, who is a Republican presidential candidate. Uh, when it came to matchups, she was almost up by 10 points against Biden in a head-to-head -head matchup in the GOP field. But will she ever get a chance to face him? Mm -hmm. If you look at those numbers, she is a distant third in the primary in Wisconsin, and it reflects what's going on nationally where she's got this buzz, especially off the debate this week. Sure. She did very well. She has a command of the issues. She's a serious person. She's not Trump. But what's interesting in Wisconsin numbers is that about a third of voters don't have an opinion of her. And so Charles Franklin, the director of the Marquette poll, said people can kind of cast their, their thoughts on her. Like She's like, she's like a, a generic Republican in some ways. She's not Biden. She's not Trump. I have faith she's going to do well. Well, people will tell me if people get to know her better, they'll know her position on abortion, which has been a huge issue for Republicans. Uh, Ron DeSantis is out hitting her on China, like China purchasing property in South Carolina. As she gets better known, that number might come down. But for now, she <laughs> polls best against Biden, but can't get out of like that distant gap Third. with Trump in the mm -hmm. primary, she never get the chance to face him. Right. And uh, speaking of polling, too, we had some battleground uh, polls that were released over the weekend with the New York Times and Siena College. And what I found interesting of that is that Biden is leading out of five out of six battleground states against Biden, or Trump is, excuse me, Trump is ahead against Biden in five out of six battleground states. But the only unique state is Wisconsin, mm -hmm. where Biden is up from Trump by two points. And when I talked to some uh, Republicans uh, and Democrats about the issue, I mean, Democrats were like, we think we're unique because there was a much more defining uh, issue of abortion in the statewide election in April. More people are excited. Maybe that's, you know, jazzing up their base a little bit. Meanwhile, Republicans are just saying, hey, this is proof is in the pudding. You better be warned um, that Trump is up in all these states. It could be coming to Wisconsin. Four polls out this week that all had Wisconsin, then a point or two in the results. Yep. Hey, maybe that's why we're always a toss-up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Um, following this, we've got a few minutes left, JR, is uh, Terman Spencer, who is the Milwaukee City Attorney. So this week he had two headlines, one of which was a state DWD official, part workforce development, found probable cause that he had basically uh, not been a very nice boss to a female employee. Then news broke that the Common Council's Inspector General recommended criminal administrative charges against him and a deputy because the deputy was doing private legal work on city time. For any elected official facing re-election in April, one of those would be bad. Both are not great, especially when you look at his history, which I think more than a dozen employees have left that office, if not 20. I would think it's almost up to two, uh, two dozen. Yeah, since he got in 2020. Now, he has not said he's going to run for election in April. But 
what the capital interest is, is that Evan Gwakey, a Democrat from Milwaukee, state lawmaker, is running already. So this is a little bit of intrigue for capital insiders because they expect Evan to be a strong contender, and this stuff does not help Tierman Spencer in that bid if he does run in the end. Uh, for another term. Yeah, and CBS 58 did talk to Spencer uh, yesterday in an interview, and he's denying any wrongdoing. So we'll see where all this yep. goes. All right, that will do it for this week on Rewind. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We'll see you next week. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.